on this episode of A Tale of Two Rivals. Spaceman gives out his positively wonderful awards for the 2021 fantasy season. Stay tuned. A fantasy football podcast put on by your three-peat dominant champion and a numbers-obsessed, lucky-to-make-the-playoffs nerd to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener. Who else is here? You're joined by at FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. Todd, people loved us being back on the airwaves. I think people were excited to see that hit the feed. Yesterday morning or this morning, however we want to to do it whenever someone's listening to this, but we have to correct an error. We had an undefeated season in our Taylor Two Rivals Listener League. This is true. This is true. We did have an undefeated season. And it it, it was something that you've never done. I've certainly never done it. The Walrus has never done it. Nobody has ever done it. And the guy who was not com- a competitor last season, he did it this <coughs> season. So. Funny how that works. Um, <clears throat> uh, excuse me. You said he was not a contender. Contender. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. If, if you're going to be slanderous, at least own your slander as in as 100 percent true. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was fun. It was fun. So it's good to be back. I think it was. I think everyone has enjoyed it, us being back. So it was fun to get out there. But we had to. We had to mm-hmm. correct the record for everybody. Tip the hat to Sad. Well done, sir. I made it to my fourth championship in a row, and I plan on making it to my fifth, Dave. All right? I'm going to be competing. I want my title back. I want it back. <laughs> All right. Davey, so we got you tonight. Do you want to jump into your awards, sir? Yeah, I, I do, man. And when I, was, when I created these awards, I was in a very, surprise, surprise, nostalgic place, and I was in a 90s or early 2000s rom-com mood. And so all my awards are themed after some uh, romantic comedy. And award number one is the Forgetting Sarah Marshall Award, or this award goes to someone who finds success after being dumped uh, by this not famous person, and this is, or by the famous person or whatever have you, and, and yada yada. But this is Mark Andrews for me. The Forgetting Sarah Marshall Award is awarded to Mark Andrews, infamously on these airwaves at week one 2000, uh, of 2000, last, year, last season, Todd. Mark Andrews had two touchdowns and I don't remember how many yards, a lot of targets. And I went, I was like, we were, I was pretty gung ho about him to start the season. I thought he was up there in the top tier, played around with having him over Travis Kelsey. But then as soon as he went off those two TDs, I like, was like, that's it. I'm moving up to my tight end one. And then he tanked for the, not even say tanked, but he had 12.6 points per game in 2020. And I think it wasn't just me who, became resigned that he wasn't a top tier tight end in dynasty or in that tier one. I think everyone dragged him through the mud. People were disappointed about that offense. Uh, how many pass attempts were going to be, but while we all kicked him down to the curb, 
he was walking on the beach and he found love, the found the love of his life. And that was, you know, it wasn't Milo Kunis, um, but it was an uptick in passing volume in Baltimore. He went on average 8.6 targets per game, 25% target share, and was second among tight ends in air yards market share, first in Whopper, and first in EPA, expected points added. And he is first in points per game with 17.9 points per game. Uh, he had, this is kind of crazy, Todd, nine top five weeks, which was tied with Travis Kelsey, 11 top 12 weeks, and 15 top 24 weeks. Pretty freaking good type production for a tight end, Todd. I think he's locked in the tier, a top tier tight end for me at this point. I play around with Pitts or Andrews as the tight end one. Uh, I'm going to say, and I don't know if I'm going to say Pitts or Andrews now, but I think he most certainly deserves to be there because the the stats I was just mentioning, Todd, those aren't just some fluky TD related stats. His touchdowns were not out of whack. They were actually pretty on par for the amount of reception or amount of uh, receiving yards he had. And while I do, and as from a dynasty standpoint, I do um, concede there is room for team level regression. I was talking to my buddy uh, T Strack uh, at Best Ball UK NFL Tom. He's a, a big UK DFS guy. And he, I wouldn't be shocked if because of the both Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins going down with injury, Lamar Jackson's injury, there might, there was a little bit, and the defense wasn't as good, Lamar Jackson, and the defense wasn't as good, there might be less passing next season if they can, those revert back to the mean. And, but still, the, that percentage of his offense, and that receiving game, I think he's a real deal. And I think he's and he's much younger than some of the top tight ends in uh, like the Kelsey's and stuff. So I think he, he belongs in that top tier, Todd. I will also say, yep, I wasn't into him this offseason. I definitely saw him as like a tier two tight end, but I felt his ADP was way too high. And there were so many wide receivers I uh, I rather have. And I wouldn't be surprised in the offseason if I keep that kind of thought because I am a tight end hater, people. I like to go late on those guys, but I don't think I'd put him over Kelsey or Pitts, but I would put him in the same tier for sure in that top tier. Kelsey's still by far the best tight end. He's not nearly as dominant. There's not the gap. He has the best QB, but I would not fault anyone for putting Andrews over Kelsey given the age consideration. And I just think with Pitts, yeah, I get the QB thing, but at this point, like I, I just love Pitts' potential and I'd rather swing for that, especially given the age piece as well. Yeah, no, there's no denying that Mark Andrews just completely blew expectations out of the water. And it really shouldn't have been that surprising given the fact that the target share went up a little bit and then like he started seeing the end zone more. Yeah, I mean, but the the writing was on the wall last season. He was getting plenty of work and him having that uptick shouldn't have been too shocking. So we all kind of like got a little bit ahead of that. And I think there's just some bias with the fact that the Baltimore is a running team is a little bit too... It's taking a little too far with that narrative. Oh, yeah, Baltimore runs too much. Baltimore runs too much. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's the other thing, too, is like the bias in the offense for Baltimore. But Andrews proved that he's going to be a stud tight end for a long time in fantasy football. I found found this this award name a stretch, quite a stretch. I don't – I still think he was like a top five drafted tight end. But like, you know what, Davey? Like, do you, buddy? Good try on creativity. He was dumped. He was dumped. And th- and I needed a way to I needed an award uh, to work in Mark Andrews. I, 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 I don't I don't know how a top five drafted tight end is dumped, but let's not digress, sir. Move on. <laughs> All right. So this is what I really enjoyed. This award, the Never Been Kissed Award, goes to Cordero Patterson. Classic rom com sp- script here. 
a high NFL draft pick back in 2013. And then he disappointed and crushed fantasy hearts back in 2013, 2014 uh, as a big bust for fantasy managers, ev- managers everywhere. And then years later, after not doing it, you know, after not uh, shining in high school, not get, not reaching that that spotlight, people people spent time looking back and saying, only if he'd been used right, if he had been used like a Percy Harvin or other get like a Jack or a, yeah Jack knife or no a pocket knife type players, if uh, you know maybe he could have done it much like Drew Barrymore when she returned to high school in the movie. Patterson returns in 2021 to finish as the RB7 and have 15.6 points per game for the Atlanta Falcons. He did this by being uber efficient with only a 47% opportunity share and only 13 weight opportunities per game. That is not a lot of volume for a top 10 uh, fantasy type finish. So (laughs) really impressive. And it's official. He's 30 years old. Todd Cordell Patterson had never been kissed by the fantasy gods. Well, in his age 30 season, he's been kissed, my friend. He He's done it. He's 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 returned on that, in vet, not back in 2013, 2014, but he's got his kiss in the middle of the baseball diamond. And uh, I'm, that being said, I'm pretty much off him in Dynasty on DLF's. Uh, oh, I should I should also say that uh, in a couple spots last year, I think in two teams, I dropped him in the offseason, uh, had zero exposure to him all offseason, couldn't couldn't swallow get the price that people were asking for him. And uh, I'm still pretty much off him in Dynasty. On DLF's Trade Finder, he's going for packages like uh, a 2022 second a, and a 2023 second and a 2023 third. So two seconds and a third. Or then another one, which was a little bit more palatable, was two thirds and a fourth. I wouldn't mind that kind of deal for Quarter L. Patterson. I mean, I'm, I'm paying like basement, filings basement type prices for him at this point, Todd, where Drew Barrymore probably went shopping uh, and never been kissed. And unless I'm getting that serious deal, I'm out on Cordell Pass in Dynasty. Or I'll say this too, Todd. Maybe if he starts to shine and proves it again week one, week two, maybe I'll buy back in then on my my competitive win now teams and try to get him then. But I don't want to take the risk in the offseason. What a Rufus, a Rufus, re- wow, let me shut that over. What a Rufus reference with never been kissed. Love it. All right. So, uh, yeah, man. But I, I will say that I think a two thirds and a fourth for Patterson is a slam dunk and a no brainer. Sure. You'd want to pay that because why wouldn't you? I, depending on build, if you're lacking like one running back, like an RB2 or need some RB depth and you have like a mid to late second. I think it's fine to pay that for Patterson because you're not really you're not risking a first round pick for a guy who finished a top 12 wide uh, uh, running back with not a huge opportunity share. I don't really see with all the things that they need to do in that offense, investing heavily at the running back and giving him another run. There's a lot more work to be done. And he was he was efficient. He was good. If clearly like if you're like a middle of the road team, that makes no sense. If you made it to the semis definitely needed some better flexes or better running back option, then moving your second for that is probably not a bad move. So you can try to take advantage of your situation while you were competitive. I'm totally comfortable with moving a second for him, like a mid-late second for him, given the fact that I, if I'm having the mid-late second and it's my pick, that means that I've been a pretty good team last year. 
Yeah, Todd, we don't really disagree a lot here. Now, I will say, even based on team build, Todd, that deal we just you referenced and I referenced earlier too, that two thirds and a fourth, I might do that even if I'm not a non competitor because I'm pretty sure if Patterson actually continues to play well, I can get more, I can get him for higher in season because when people realize just how crappy the running back situation is, though, you're definitely going to get more than two thirds and a fourth for him neck in season when when people start seeing like hey i'm only a player away from really taking this thing and so that's a type of deal people always say oh when you're you always have to you know think about you don't want vets when you're when you're rebuilding or you know or you're tanking or whatever have you i i think there are such certain situations where you can take advantage of a market inefficiency especially in the early parts of the dynasty offseason and, and take advantage of that i would like a strong argument for the two thirds and a fourth i would love to hear that i don't see it I just don't see a strong argument for it. You mean not to do it or to do it? To do to why would you want the two thirds and the fourth versus Patterson? Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like there's no like I would love to hear a very well developed narrative for that, and then I would listen to the whole thing intently and say no. <laughs> All right, you could get the next two Elijah Mitchells with those picks. Oh God, I hate that. Um, <laughs> I, I know. Good Lord. Oh God. Yeah, I'm sure everybody who picked Eliza Mitchell also named like eight other people in tweets like that season. Oh, I like all these eight like sweepers. Like, come on. Last one, Davey. Let's go. Yeah, we're being uber efficient here. Ten, the 10 things I hate about you award goes to Cooper Cup. Things that were talked about in the offseason. Not the best wide receiver on the Rams. Slow, white, slot receiver. Past the age apex. Too many mouths to feed. It's a run first team in the, in the red zone. He's more of a high motor guy. You know, all I could keep going on and to get those two other things people hated about Cooper Cup to make this truly 10 things I hate about you for this war, but I digress, Todd. People are more interested in, hey, he was 25.8 points per game. He was the wide receiver one overall and the wide receiver one in points per game. He had 11.5 targets per game, a 32% target share, a 3.1 yards per route run, which is elite. Like people get excited about over two, three point one is just downright. Oh God, it's it's uh, you know yeah. Ooh, anyway, I gotta move on here before I get too flustered here. Fifteen touchdowns for that guy who it isn't doesn't have the frame to be a red zone threat. He was a truly an elite season with a point seven one whopper. That's over that. That's the the alpha the alpha dog type weighted opportunity rating right there. Anything over point seven. Led the league in yards per team pass attempt. The next closest wide receiver, Todd, in EPA was Justin Jefferson. And Cooper Cup had 25 more expected points added for the season than the Justin Jefferson. So that's just insane. Almost like 25% of his, uh, 25% more uh, expected points added per, uh, for the season. Just, just filthy. And le- this is what really blew me away. Th- I mean, those numbers are just mouthwatering. An impressive after one of the best wide receiver seasons I've seen in a long time, especially from a consistency standpoint. And what really showed that Todd was seven top five weeks, 14 top 12 weeks and 15 top 24 wide receiver weeks on the season. That means two, right? Let me do the math here. Yeah. Two games. He wasn't a top 24 wide receiver. That is everyone wants a consistent wide receiver. They want a ceiling type wide receiver. Well, you got the whole freaking package in Cooper Cup, Todd. And I'm just going to say this, Todd. You know I am I, how I am with age. You know I'm, a, I'm an ageist. 
even though Cooper Cup will be 29 next season, he's my he's like at least my wide receiver 11. Could be a little higher, maybe my 10, maybe can get him up to nine, but he's my wide receiver 11 right now, which for me is saying something, Todd. And he's in my second tier of wide dynasty wide receivers. Uh, barring injury, I don't really know how much this performance is going to change because everything about his per, his performance and his production, maybe besides from a team level, they run the ball a little bit more next year. But besides that, I don't know how he's not going to have something similar. I mean, it's tough to say he's going to get 25 points per game, but to be this dominant, it's tough to see it not happening again next year, barring injury. I mean, at 80% the production he did this year, you're still looking at a top 10 wide receiver. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, at 80% of what he did, it's still a top 10 wide receiver. So, uh, I'm similar to you. He's in my second tier. Uh, He is my wide receiver eight on the year. In the preseason, he was my wide receiver. Let me look. You can cut this down. Let me see. All right, that felt sloppy. All right, I'm going to start that over. All right. So just like you, he's in the second tier for me. He's my wide receiver eight. In the preseason, he was my wide receiver 36. So you could, I mean, I don't really think he fits the definition of a league winner per se, but you could stretch the definition and say like he won some people's leagues. And it's just absolutely disgusting. And it's like, it, the, the thing I love the most about it is, is that his season's the best season I, I've seen since that Calvin Johnson season that he didn't quite reach. Uh, that level two, but Matt Stafford was the quarterback for both of those players. And that is not a coincidence. And Stafford's here. He's been absolutely amazing. McVay's finally got his quarterback. They're going to get Akers back. It's going to be a dynamic offense. More weapons just means less attention on Cooper. Defenses have to be more honest or like watch Cam Akers go crazy. And then also in summer, Bobby Woods coming back. That's probably going to take away a little bit of work. Then, you know, you throw an OBJ. I mean, there is some narratives to say that like it's not repeatable, but it doesn't need to be repeatable. It needs to be within the range. And at 80%, you, you're locked into a wide one. So Cooper Cup was just straight up special. And I will admit, I was saying trade him all season every time he went off. And I still would trade him. But the point is, is that I would have got out on him earlier than most. But the dude just kept defying it and showing like... And the other thing too is like with Cup, it's not like he came out of nowhere. Everybody who saw Cup, like, besides the injuries, know he was a good player, know he was an efficient player, and had some really good, uh, and had some really good years up to this year. Just, guy just broke out. Just absolutely went nutty this year. So, hats off to Cooper Cup. The pride of Eastern Washington. Just for reference, Todd, I don't, I don't think I have that Calvin, jo- I don't remember what Calvin Johnson year that was off the, I'm, I'm not, it might have been before 2009, and I don't have that in my database right now. I will... At some point in the offseason, I'll be updating it to 2000, which will be really useful. But uh, Michael Thomas's remember that that where he was peppered with a, a thousand targets. He only had 20, not when I say only, but he had 24.5 points per game. So almost a point and a half, like so almost a point and a half more per game for Cooper Cup. Devontae Adams had only like point two, no point, yeah, point five points per game less last year. But I think he only played in, in the fantasy seat league, he only played in 13 games. So it wasn't even for a full, so while Devontae Adams was dominant last year when he played, didn't play the full season like Cooper Cup did. So just for perspective, Todd, this is, this is the best fantasy wide receiver sent performance since 2009. Better than Antonio Brown. Uh, just, oh gosh, truly, truly pretty freaking cool. 
just special. Just absolutely special. You know? Uh, I like to think of Hunter Renfro as a as a poor man's Cooper Cup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to get a lot of the same descriptors. He's definitely on the. He definitely is in a not, uh, a lot of things I hate about you type list. So I, I just want I I just want to put Hunter Renfro in the same sentence as Cooper Cup. That's all. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> That's all. All right. Tell them where they can find you. You can find me in my rom com loving self at Dynasty League Football at Rookie Fever. And right here on Tale Two Rivals over at FF underscore Spaceman. Find me on the Patreon. Uh, I'm going to be ha- pumping out a lot of stuff on the Patreon. Already rolling out my NF- my college prospect database stuff, which is already updated the, the quarterbacks for this season. And hopefully by the weekend, I'll have the running backs up and going. And Todd, I whispered about it. I talked about it for, I don't know, the last six months of episodes. But I finally wrote an article about Jahan Dotson over on DLF. It dropped today on Wednesday. And I'm pretty proud of that. I mean, it was a solid, nothing, it wasn't anything groundbreaking, but really happy with how that article came out. So good to get off the schneid. I look forward to reading it. It's uh, just early, early predictions. I think he's going to be the best value in rookie drafts, probably as an early second round pick, kind of like uh, like the way T. Higgins was. All right. All right. You can find me at FF underscore Banterman. I write no nowhere and I do no rankings anywhere and I'm loving it right now. However, Means I got plenty of time for banter, plenty of time for questions, plenty of times for thoughts. Love working out trades. Love getting like asking questions about rosters. I will answer anybody but Levi Valentine for their questions. All right. <laughs> yeah. So long story short is, um, hit me up on the Twitter sphere, and I'm happy to banter. Peace. Levi did want you to get some more CT C two C content out there, Todd. So who knows? He doesn't deserve it. <laughs>